the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wookiee man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick shit out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. This is gonna be nuts! Oh no! Flash runs into the knees, took just a, a hair too long, all disabled to capitalize. That could have broken a couple of ribs right there. Oh, oh. power bomb! Oh, Hobbs! Counters the power bomb, but look at for the cloverleaf! It's the the Kingsland cloverleaf! It's over! Ladies and gentlemen, your winner by submission, Nick Aldis! We gotta take a look at the end of this matchup. It is brought to you by the United Wrestling Network International Wrestle Center. Will Hobbs looking for the big victory with the frog splash off the corner, but runs into the knees of Nick Alden. Look, Will Hobbs with an incredible performance, but he made a vital mistake, and immediately Nick Aldis took advantage and got the submission. And wow, Nick Aldis, you talk about making an impression. You talk about making a statement. He wants the NWA World Heavyweight title, and I bet Tim Storm is watching. Yeah, 100%. Locking in the King's Lynn Cloverleaf, something he's used to win titles all across the world. But now it looks like Grandpa this Choke is, is going to the two man power trip of wrestling, and you were listening to a hot off the recorder episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling if you didn't know by now my name is chad and as always i'm joined by my tag team partner the one and only jp john paz and on the show we've got a returning guest today 
but it's an almost four-year-in-the-making return for this individual as we welcome in the current reigning and defending NWA world champion, Nick Aldis, coming back to the two-man power trip of wrestling after nearly, like I said, a four-year absence from this show where Nick Aldis had just departed TNA Wrestling at the time, Impact Wrestling, uh, coming off a successful and huge run that he had there establishing himself as a player in the Impact world, winning the world championship, being a focal point of the stories, and really coming out in a huge, huge way as a major player from the Impact TNA world. But that was four years ago, and it's hard to believe that it has been that long that we've talked to Nick Aldis, because that was a great interview back then. It's dug deep into our archives and we definitely suggest that you can go out and find it, but uh, it's really, it's one of those, I think it was May 7th, 2015, that we had Nick Aldis on the show with us, going that far back into the early days of the two-man power trip, but look at what Nick Aldis is doing these days, he's part of the revival of the NWA, which if you've heard the Triple Threat podcast, you know that we've talked about that revival a lot over the last year, plus... The revival of the NWA definitely met with a lot of questions, definitely met with a lot of optimism and a lot of hope because if you're an old school fan, you want the NWA to succeed. You want that brand, that product of the NWA. You want them to do well. You want them to be a major player in the world of professional wrestling. And I think right out of the gate, since obviously our ties to Shane Douglas and his ties to the NWA championship, we've kept a really solid eye right under the microscope of what the NWA was doing. But when Nick Aldis was thrown into the mix and Nick Aldis has become the NWA world champion, I think it's really taken the NWA to another level and given them that little bit of credibility that they needed straight out of the gate that I don't think they had, but now with Nick Aldis, I think they're headed in the right direction. And obviously, how can you not think you're going in the right direction when you've got Nick Aldis as your world champion? This guy looks like a world champion. He acts like a world champion. And he is traveling all over the globe with that 10 pounds of gold, just like the NWA world champion used to do way back in the day. Now, in this interview with John and Nick Aldis, they get to cover a lot of what's been going on in that NWA world, as well as Nick Aldis and all the travels that he's made, defending it in different organizations, being a part of these NWA pop-up shows, and more importantly, the success and uh, really the online reaction to the NWA having their, their big anniversary show a few months back, and obviously participating in the all-in event in Chicago in September and Nick Aldis and Cody Rhodes main eventing that show, and uh, Nick Aldis losing to Cody Rhodes, but then winning the title back at the NWA anniversary show. It's been a big year plus for Nick Aldis, but to recap those nearly four years that he's been away from our show, we get to fill in some, uh, some of the gaps of where Nick Aldis has been in that time frame, and it's awesome to have him back, and we really hope you enjoy today's episode with the current reigning and defending NWA world champion, the one and only Nick Aldis. So that's enough out of me. Let's get it on over to this interview. This is a nice lengthy interview, so you will thoroughly enjoy what is going on in that Nick Aldis world. And if you don't remember, we'll tell you once again, we've got two huge shows coming your way in 2019. First on April 7th, up there in New Jersey, WrestleMania weekend at the Meadowlands Hotel 
we've got Mark out at the Meadowlands. We are bringing a football meets wrestling show to the fans that will be in the area that want to get in there and meet some uh, absolute amazing wrestling superstars, including Stan Hansen, Jim Ross, Danny Spivey, Butch Reed, Tully Blanchard, Tito Santana, Scott Putsky, Bob Brew, Bill Apter, Brutus Beefcake, Tom, uh, the Tonga Kid, and so many more that are going to be in attendance at our show. Mark out at the Meadowlands. Head on over to matmcon.com for more information, as well as get ready for the 35th anniversary of the Midnight Express in Richmond, Virginia on May 18th at the Holiday Inn on Commerce Road in Richmond, Virginia, featuring so far announced Jim Cornette, Dennis Condry, Stan Lane, Bobby Eaton, and Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express. You can head on over to tmptfwrestling.com for more information on that, as well as go straight to Brown Paper Tickets to get your tickets now. It's uh, really starting to heat up with both Mark Out at the Meadowlands and TMPTCon 3, the 35th anniversary of the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette. So that's enough out of me. Let's get it on over to the interview. Let's hit you with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and join John and Nick Aldis, the NWA world champion, right now. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a former Impact Wrestling World Champion, a two-time Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champion, and how can we forget a two-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, formerly known as Magnus, he is Nick Aldis. Please enjoy.
Hotline is a former Impact World Champion as well as a former Impact two-time Tag Team Champion. He's also been Tag Team Champion in the IWGP as well as the GHC. And also, he is now the current NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Welcome to the show, Nick Aldis. Thank you very much, John. Thanks, man. Uh, It's nice to be back. Yes. You were on a couple of years ago. It was awesome to have you on then, and it's awesome to have you on now, especially so much has happened between now and then. I mean, obviously, being a two-time NWA world champion and the current NWA world champion is so much going on, not only with you, but so many changes within the wrestling business. What's it been like with Billy Corgan and with the NWA and being the world heavyweight champion? Well, um, it's... If, like me, you're a student of the game and you study the history of the business, uh, you understand the significance of, of you know, the 10 pounds of gold, the NWA World Championship. You, you see the people that have held it and you appreciate the fact that it's the same belt and you're, you know, and, and you're part of that, that lineage and that heritage. And that's, um, you know, that's never, that's never something I'm not going to take pride in. And, you know, I'm sure Cody would tell you the same uh, if you asked him and, Almost everyone else, I think, I'm sure everyone else who's held it. And um, so that's, you know, that's the sort of fundamental answer to that. But the, the other part of it is uh, it's been, you know, very rewarding to be part of something that was like, you know, absolutely a startup, you know, from the, from the very, you know, from pretty much from day one or more or less, certainly as far as the wrestling operation side of it goes, um, obviously wasn't, you know, part of it on the day that he, Billy, purchased the rights and you know and sort of started formulating it but but i was i was the first guy on the ship sort of thing and so it's, it's that's a that's a cool feeling to to look at um my personal sort of journey as well as the journey of the title and the brand and everything to to be able to say wow it was pretty much on life support in uh 2017 and then to get to all in, you know, on September 1st, you know, like pretty much less than just, a, just over a year to be in arguably the, the most talked about match of the year. Like, and, and the, you know, it's certainly the most, I felt like the, the best built, you know, the best built match. And, and, and certainly in, in terms of uh, emotional response, I think that it'd be hard pressed to find any moment in wrestling that topped, that match, you know, and, and the way we did everything. And so it was like, so in many ways, it's sort of like a validation of me because I, I proved that when I was allowed to do things my way, that I could make this work and I was good at this and I could make it, you know, I could make it really important and make it mean something and, and create that. Because I think the business is about moments. Like I, I don't care as much for having a great match as I care about having a great moment because Ultimately, when you when you look back at, at history of the business, both financially and just just from a, a a sort of a sentimental point of view, it's the moments you remember. You remember Andre slamming, you know, Hogan slamming Andre. Or you remember Rock and Hogan staring face to face, or you remember Steve Austin, you know, driving the beer trigger. You remember moments. You know, you don't necessarily remember every single moment of the match, every single spot, every single headlock, every single arm drag, you know, you remember the moments and um, that's sort of what I always got in the business to do. So it was nice to be able to prove that I could do it when I was, when I was allowed to, to, 
trust my instincts and, and do it exactly my way and not sort of a, a, a sterilized version where someone else is always sort of telling you how to do it. And I love it because it's kind of an old school throwback match for you and Cody at all in. Obviously, yeah, I, title it's interesting you say that. I, I, I get that a lot. You're not the only person who said that. And I, I don't, I don't disagree with you, but I do find it interesting that that seems to be a common thread when they discuss that match. They go, it was this throwback match it was old school. And I go like, I, was it really? Because I think what it was was I, I prefer to use the word sort of classic, like classic style, because really all of the, the, the those things that worked in that match that we proved that they always work. You know, it's not something that used to work, so it worked for one night, and it was like a nostalgia thing. Like, it, was, it wasn't like we were trying to, you know, win the match with a body slam, right? Like, like we've moved on from that. Like, we, we, you know, we mm-hmm. understand that a body slam's not a finish anymore. You know what I mean? But, but you know, so we didn't, we didn't change anything. We, used, we, told, we told a story. We used psychology, and we let things digest, and we let people, you know, absorb that moment because we because we did the match based on emo- we, we prioritized emotion and moments and storytelling over just athleticism. We had enough athleticism in there to make it worthwhile. But, you know, so I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I wish that it, I wish that the, I wish people would uh, understand that the reason that it worked both, you know, from a, from a commercial standpoint and from a, and from an emotional standpoint was that, you know, we did all those things that all those veterans tell you to do. And, you know, there seems to be this sort of, there seems to be this mentality now that you have to do things like really fast. You have to do loads of spots. You have to do all this stuff, you know, to prove that you're part of the modern style. Like we sort of take this pride of being, you know, it's our era and stuff. Um, And it's almost like there's a, there's a knee jerk sort of rejection to do anything that, that, you know, guys from from the past might advise you to do um and i think that's nuts because like i've always just sat under the learning tree of the guys that drew money or tried to you know like i i was on the phone with kevin nash last week for an hour you know and i'm fortunate that i'm you know that he gives me that time because i just call him and ask his advice you know like and 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 hear about things because I, i used to be able to do it at tna so i didn't have to call him on the phone but you know what i'm saying like i get i um I think that a lot of the time the, the, the principles of, of what works still work. And it's just, we just, we just exempt, Cody and I exemplified it in a way where we said, we just do it with a modern delivery system. We do it in the modern way, but the fundamentals are, or is that, you know, storytelling and the emotion and the stakes and letting things resonate and letting things breathe. Like that's my biggest, that's probably my biggest um, sort of peeve of, of, what I, a lot of what I see now is I just, I can't digest it when I'm watching it and I'm in the business, you know, and I'm sitting there going like, man, it, it, it's, it's like going to a restaurant and, uh, and then going, Hey, you want to try out, you know, you want to try this? Great. Oh, that was really nice. Oh, well put that away. Now try this. You know, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't quite, I was still kind of enjoying that other piece. Well, no, no, don't worry about that. Now try this. Now eat this. Now eat this. What do you think? Did you like it? Did you like that one? Do you want to see more of this? Have some more of this, you know? And it's kind of like, Sometimes you want to just take a moment and go, wow, that was, that was really tasty. I'm going to enjoy that and savor that for a moment. And then I'm going to take a sip of water or take a sip of my beer or whatever. And then I'll move on to the next thing. Right. And does that make sense? 
Absolutely, makes perfect yeah, sense. That's always the way I've I've approached it, and I've always tried to look at the business from not only from a performance standpoint, but from a production standpoint. Of if I had never seen wrestling before, what would I think? You know, like or if I was if I had stopped watching wrestling ten years ago, or stopped watching twenty years ago, and was just tuning back in for the first time to give it a chance, what would I think when I'm seeing this? And that's I try to sort of. I try to check those boxes with my body of work now. And I guess you're right. It's not necessarily old school, but definitely that classic style. And you're hundred percent right. The psychology was there. The storytelling was there. The stakes were there. You know, it was an important match. It meant something. And it wasn't necessarily about, like you said, spot, spot, spot where you can't digest it. The one thing that was kind of strange to me about it, I don't know how you feel about it. And I'm sure you've said it before, but do you think that match should have been the main event on that show? Because I kind of felt like it should have been the main event. I think that when a match goes on, um, you know, on a show like All In, when the match went on was not as important as perhaps it's been, you know, made made to feel. I do, I do feel strongly about the main event should always be the match that has the most hype you know that has the, the people are the most that, that are, are there to see it and I, and I feel like yes on that occasion you know by the time we got to all in we were we were the most highly anticipated match in wrestling and so yeah maybe you know it's not my place uh, and and I was I was more than happy for us to be on where we were you know Hogan and Rock didn't go on last <laughs> you know and mm. uh there have been many, you know, there have been many situations where, you know, where a match like that didn't go on last and, and we created a moment in time, you know, and ultimately like, you know, does it, does it really make any difference to anyone that it wasn't the last match? Yes. The visual and the, the cel- you know, of, especially afterwards with Cody's celebration and, the, and just that, you know, huge outpouring of support and emotion and everything. Yeah. It would have been a great way to close the show, but you know, so is, so are, the, so are the young bucks and like they were the driving force behind that thing right from the beginning. Like it all started with Nick and Matt Jackson. So like they deserve to be the last thing you see when the show goes off the air as well. You know, like it, it didn't matter to me. Like we were all in, we, we genuinely, all of us who were there were all so, I'd never been a part of a show like that. Like where all the boys were at gorilla, you know, Cody, you know, Cody and I was like, like, like Cody obviously is wearing all the hats that day. So are Nick and Matt. But we're, you know, even after Cody and I had had that match and we had had that moment and obviously, you know, moments like that, you spend your whole career just, just hoping that you can get one thing like that, you know, one night like that. And obviously we just had it, you know, and we, so you, when you have that with someone, you share a bond forever and we're, you know, and we come back and we're kind of, you know, we're looking at each other in that way of like, well, we just had, like we just did it, you know, we just created a moment in time. Like, and I'm sure for Cody, he probably thought for the first time truly in his life, he was his own man. He'd sort of stepped out of the shadow of his father and not, and I don't, I mean that in a totally positive way, you know, and, and like, he probably thought that's something that, you know, that every, like we were the envy of the wrestling business that night and Cody like next thing you know, we're both sitting at the we're sitting at the at the, the go position. You know, Cody's got the headset on, and we're and I'm sitting there and we're watching. You know, because because we're we're I'm, and I'm you know we're all helping out with stuff. Like one of I'm like relaying a message to someone because you know Cody like Cody's seeing something that he needs to change or whatever. 
And I, and I said, I've never been a part of something like this, where every single person, everyone was like congratulating each other when they're coming back and everybody's like, you know, saying what they liked about the matches and, and you know, saying, do that, like, let's do this, let's do that. And then everyone's like chipping in on every level because they just wanted that show to just be as good as it could possibly be. And it was this feeling of like, this is our generation. It was all, you know, yeah, we had, obviously there was, um, you know, there was institutional support from, from Ring of Honor and they provided the infrastructure and, you know, and, and obviously, uh, you know, Lagana had, had really busted his ass to, to, to create all that interest in Cody and I with the, with the, the 10 pounds and, you know, everything we had done. And Billy had been involved because we had used the, uh, the, the pumpkins, the smashing pumpkins set to, to stage one of those, uh, like a, a, a stare down thing in slow motion. That was my idea, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, so it was just, everybody was kind of like, we were all looking around at each other going like, this is what happens, you know, when you bring all the, like all the smart people together and stop worrying about, uh, you know, he's with this promotion and he's with that promotion and I'm not working with him because he, you know what I mean? And, and all that kind of thing. Like when you, when you eliminate those silly sort of wrestling, uh, rules, you know, as far as like, like when you put, you put your ego to one side and don't really care about who's getting the credit and what's the, you know, and I don't want to be associated with this and all that kind of thing. When you, when you just bring the smartest people together and you all embrace each other's qualities and all, all working towards the same goal, you get nights like all in, you know? And it was like that, that, that was the, the biggest takeaway for it for me, you know? Such a special moment, such a special night. That match, like we said, probably could have or should have been the main event. But another focus of that match, and something that you know intrigued me, and always when I'm you know watching something, I'm like, wow, you know, that kind of surprised me. I was actually surprised to see Jeff Jarrett in your corner, and Jeff Jarrett a part of that whole thing, you know, part of the the team, if you will, when you know the walkout mm-hmm. was was that any sort of controversy as far as Jeff being in, involved with it? Uh, there was, there was a little, I'll be honest, uh, there was a little bit of resistance, um, from the Bucks, you know, they weren't, they, they were a little, they were, they were cautious about, um, about Jeff being there. We, Cody and I had, um, talked about doing entourages, you know, we wanted like, Walking on treasure. The, the, the really cool thing about the way that you know we put, we got that we put that match together was that it, we talked about it so much about serendipity, you know, Cody and I, because it was a word that kept coming up. Because so many times one of us would would have a suggestion for the match, like, hey, what if we did this and what if we did that? As far as like the build up to it, like a weigh in and entourages and, and some of those things I genuinely can't remember who said it first because some of them were like you know he might text me about it and go like are you cool with us doing this and I would go that's that's so funny because I was going to suggest that too you know I was like I was literally like about to you know say that exact same thing um and the entourage thing was was one of those one of those things and um and so I you know so then I, I found out who was going to be in Cody's and because Cody and I, you know, <laughs> it really was competitive and we really are competitive with each other, but in like the best possible way. Like we, you know, we, <laughs> we have great respect for each other, but when we were doing all that, there was like a genuine, like we genuinely have that, like, 
alpha male sort of thing, right? Like we, we really want to compete with one another. Um, so when I found out who was going to be in his, I went, well, he's got a Hall of Famer. I need a Hall of Famer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, and they were obviously, they were all people to whom, you know, Cody had a, a specific sort of historical relevance, right? Like they were, they were, they had played a major part in his career and his development or his personal development. Cause you know, dreamer, you know, had been working in the, in the office at WWE when Cody was there. obviously DDP has a little history with dusty and, you know, has been a very close family friend for all those years and mentored Cody in, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, and then uh, Glacier, you know, worked for worked for Dusty, and again, um, because of his gym and everything, like that, you know, has close family ties, and Cody's, you know, enjoyed a, a very, you know, a good relationship with him, and he's been able to sort of benefit from training and stuff, and uh, and then obviously had his brother-in-law and his father-in-law, so it was like everyone had a, a, a significant, you know, relevance to his story, and so I said, oh, okay, so well, that kind of narrows it down you know, for me. And, uh, I looked, I looked at it and went, well, who are the people that for better, you know, for, for whatever reason have been the most important and, and, uh, you know, influential as far as like, you know, supporting me and, and, you know, helping me in, in my journey to get to this point. Well, Davari was number one because Sean Davari was my roommate when I first came to America. Um, you know, when I, when I started in TNA, he, you know, immediately just kind of, we became friends right away. And he immediately just, you know, just smartened me up so much. He's such a smart guy. Um, you know, and he just, he, he, I would have been so lost without Sean. Like he, he just explained so much to me and, you know, uh, obviously he had all this experience of WWE and he was young. So it was like, so he was very, very smart, but he also had this experience of working with Hogan and Shawn Michaels and Undertaker and Kurt Angle and stuff like this. Um, and he was smarting me up to the way, you know, to the lay of the land in, in TNA and stuff. Um, so that, that was the relevance for him. And we've just, we've been like best friends ever since. Um, and then, yeah, when it came to Jeff, everybody obviously knows that Jeff and I, you know, have a long history and Jeff, Jeff really was the first guy to give me any sort of chance to, to, you know, have the ball, right. To run with it because we did, we did the stuff in India and I'd been with TNA for like maybe two years and I, they brought me in, obviously had a horrible start with, with a horrible gimmick. And then I, and then I went into the tag team with, with, with Doug and that was great. And that yeah, helped, helped me sort of find my feet and everything. And then um, I was sort of back to, treading water again because, you know, Bruce Pritchard came in and Eric Bischoff came in and they didn't really know anything about me. And I just had this reputation as someone who Dixie liked. And so they just, so that immediately just sort of turned them all off on me. And I understand that. And it was, but I was kind of like, well, that wasn't my fault. Do you know what I mean? I was, I was just, hmm. just trying to get better. You know, I'm just trying to be good at this. And Jeff at that point had seen that in me, you know, and seen how much I'd improved and seen how much I was paying attention. I was doing things like sitting on the headsets in between stuff so I could learn about everything, about television and the way it worked. So when Rinka King came along, Jeff, you know, they, they kind of said, like, they looked at Rink, they looked at the India thing as like, oh, sure, whatever, I'm going to go do this thing. Yeah, it's, it's paying us a decent chunk of change. Go ahead, Jeff, do whatever you want. You know, just go, go get some guys, you know. 
just to, just don't take anyone important, you know. And so Jeff went, okay, well I want this, you know. He went, I want Magnus. Do you know what I mean? And and right away he was like, this is this is going to be, it's going to be my chance to show them what they should be doing with you. And he's like, this is uh, like this is your chance to, you know, to to have a top spot and run with it and show them that show them who you can be because he's like he says uh, they're wasting you sort of thing. Uh, you know, something like that. Uh, that really was an incredible um, responsibility, you know, and 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 a, and it's such a cool feeling because that was a big budget show and it was really well done and they had some really good talent and it was like Jeff was like, oh, you're you're you know you're going to be the top heel, you're going to be the guy here, so we're gonna you know we're gonna show them what they should be doing with you. And look what happened that 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 we did the second thing of that second taping for that in 2012 and by 2013 I was the world champion. You know, so it was like he, he, yeah, he was the, he was the driving force of that. And then when I finished up with TNA, because you know, like it sort of a situation was created where there was no way I was going to be able to stay with them. They couldn't afford to keep my contract, and I wasn't going to take a pay cut. And you know, I was. I, it's been well documented that you know, it just didn't didn't gel very well with with John Gaburik, and you know that just that relationship wasn't wasn't going to work. So I decided to move on and. Right away, Jeff starts that you know he has global force. Yeah, it didn't do much. It didn't go anywhere, but he, you know, again, he had he went with me. Like he went for it. Like and and right away brought me in. And you know, next thing you know, I'm I'm the first champion of that in uh, in you know in front of a few thousand people in Vegas. You know, beating Bobby Roode in the middle of the ring. So it's like when someone does those things for you, you don't forget that. And uh, have I I wrote this on my I I wrote like a, a long sort of post about it because I knew that it had got some some uh some negativity, you know, from from a certain sort of group of the audience who are, you know, who are very opinionated and sort of think that they have the full picture of stuff, but they really don't. And they were of course were, you know, oh God, you know, like these are Jeff Jarrett with him, like, oh cringe, you know, whatever. Like I can't believe Jeff Jarrett's at this show and like, you know, because that it because we're conditioned or those fans are sort of conditioned to hate anyone who's, you know, who's in charge of anything and has been, you know, or been, you know, associated with certain things and, and not understand the whole picture, you know? And, and I, um, uh, so I, when I put it out, I said there, there, there was a time where, where Jeff and I didn't speak for a long time. We had a, we had a pretty major incident, pretty major falling out between, uh, I'm, I won't go into all the details, but it was a pretty major falling out between like Jeff and Karen and, and my, myself and my wife. And it was like, we didn't speak for a long time and it, and it pretty much like it completely changed our relationship up to then. And it was, it was me who, who said, I, I knew that Jeff was having some personal problems and it was later on that I realized that when we, when we had our, falling out that was obviously at a time in his life I didn't I wasn't aware of those problems at the time and then it made started to make more sense and I went man he was just he was suffering he was you know he was an alcoholic and uh so I just decided to sort of and I you know he'd been inducted in the hall of fame and I was really happy for him and stuff and I basically just reached out to him and said I'd I'd like you know there's no payday like (laughs) uh but there's I'd really like it. It would mean a lot to me if you would, you know, be part of my entourage and walk me to the ring at All In because it's, you know, it's a, it's it's a testament to, you know, to you. Like that I've been, I've, I've learned, you know, you helped teach me to be ready for this spot, and and he did it. And once I explained it that way to Nick and Matt and said, 
we can we have a chance here to set a precedent, you know, because I, you know, I don't know what their beef was with him or what that situation is. Not my business. But I said, this is your this is your show, right? Isn't the whole the whole point of all in is that we're all saying like it can be done, you know, and like let's stop let's stop being so petty and silly about everything. I said, what better way to what better way to 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 exemplify that than to go. Hey, we we even allow you know we even invited Jeff Jarrett to you know to come and be here, like and be part of you know Nick's entourage and stuff, you know because we go look the past is the past, and we're all in this together. And it was like, and once I explained to him like that, they went absolutely, and it was great. And he was you know and 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 it's and our relationship is is you know is back to where it was now, and and the Bucks are happy, everyone's happy. Thought that was very cool of them, obviously to like. Jeff on the show, and that was very different the way you guys had that whole thing set up. I thought that was great. And obviously the biggest pop of the night that I saw was Cody beating you for the world title, the emotion, and all that. And then it was great that you guys had a big lead-up and a big build-up to the NWA 70th anniversary show where you end up beating him and getting the title back two out of three falls. Do you like that whole um, kind of new wave of doing things, the Lagana style where he's making these awesome videos and he's hyping it up, and you're basically, you know, it's an independent show. It's the NWA 70th anniversary. But the way they presented it, it was presented as much larger than just a quote-unquote independent show. Oh, yeah. we And we certainly felt that, too. We didn't, you know, we, we, we felt like it was, um, you know, quite highly anticipated and certainly um, – generated quite a bit of interest and then and it did well financially it turned a profit and you know and uh and jeff was involved in that jeff was responsible for promoting the the live event for that and you know it's a testament to him because it was the best um you know obviously cody and i's rematch was was you know proven to be a, a draw but as far as i'm aware that was the best um the best gate uh for wrestling ever at that building you know and that's saying something considering what's been there and what's been through there um, uh, yeah, you know, the, to answer your question about ten pounds, um, again, that was something that, right from the beginning, I was quite adamant about. Was like, we can't just. We, there's no way you're going to make. I said to Billy, you know, if you're going to, if you if you just do a, a show where there's a wrestling ring and a bunch of people and you get a bunch of wrestlers to do some wrestling matches and some promos, it, it, you know, you, you, may, you know, you may as well just give me the money, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it's, that, that's not going to change anything. Like, and how do you penetrate the marketplace? There's so much of that already. I said, I don't, I don't love boxing. I like it. I don't love it. It's not, I, I can't watch it no matter what, you know, same with, with, MMA. I can't watch it just for no reason. Like I, I'll watch it if I care about who's fighting. And normally, the way they get me to care is by HBO twenty four seven, or you know, or, or at least it was. And you know, they've they not they've, they've stopped doing boxing now, which was a heartbreaker for me. But uh, Showtime All Access, you know, and and now you've got the Zone doing it. And then like with uh, with UFC, you know, obviously they they went very sports entertainment with their presentation, but they you know they do the same thing with like their embeddeds and the um, UFC countdown and things like that. And I said, you know, that's the stuff that makes me want to tune in for a destination viewing by a pay per view. Like we, a lot of people were saying, oh, pay per view's dead, you know. 
as I, you know, and then UFC came along and went, no, it ain't. Like, <laughs> yep. you know, they, you just have to, you have to create what they do. And I think this, you know, obviously I'm not, I don't have any statistics to back this up, but my gut says that the way that they work so well is because they put, there's probably a collection of a few million people who buy the pay-per-views, but they, none of them buy them all. Some of them, okay, yeah, like I buy all the pay-per-views. Like for me, I would buy a pay-per-view if GSP was fighting, if, you know, Randy Couture was fighting, if Brock Lesnar was fighting, you know, and then if Conor McGregor, like then later on with Conor McGregor, you know, th- like those are the guys I can think of off the top of my head where it's pretty much, pretty much guaranteed I was going to buy those pay-per-views, you know, and, and but there, there are others who are probably like always going to buy a John Jones pay-per-view or always going to buy a Ronda pay-per-view when she was there, or, you know, and stuff like that. And I think that that's the, that's the key is that when you can be a bit more luxurious with your build to a pay-per-view and take your time, you can create a situation where like there are, there are going to be these certain pockets of people that really, really invest in like one person. So then when they're on pay-per-view, they're going to buy, you know, they're going to buy it. And, and we said, well, why can't we sort of recreate that situation here and now and, and, and except in the, in the beginning, when we're trying to build the audience, we'll just do that. But with leading up to, you know, an event like an independent show or whatever. And, and, and then we'll, then we'll put that event out or we'll put that match out. We'll work out an agreement where we can film the match and put it out or whatever, and just kind of test that model. Right. Can we get people to pay attention up to a certain match and then tune in to see the match? Like that's why we did one, you know, where we did it on like Facebook live or we did one on, you know, whatever, because we just wanted to see, okay, can we, by doing the 10 pound stuff, can we get people to care enough to then tune in to see what we're doing, right? Brick by brick. Like, and then eventually, by the time we got to, you know, we, we got to, to the to, to spring, we had got a lot of people's attention and we got Cody's attention. And suddenly it, it sort of became obvious that he was seeing what I was seeing, which was this would be, the, this would be a great matchup for this huge show. And it all, all of our, all of our sort of um, respective strategies kind of correlate, you know, and then this, <laughs> we've got a good opportunity here and it was very easy, you know, and, and that was, and it, and it just, and it just showed that the, the formula worked and then it got to the pay-per-view pay-per-view did well. And then we said, okay, now it's time for us to do our own paper. So within like a year of doing it, we had built to a point where we said, okay, now we can apply this model to an actual paid, you know, pay-per-view, right? Like a, an event that people have to pay to see. And it, you know, generated six figures in revenue. Great main event, obviously. Great show. I love how they can, you know, you throw Shivani on there, you show, uh, throw Cornette. So, you know, a lot of the old school fans definitely were, were gravitating towards it. The new, new school fans were gravitating towards it because they wanted to see the rematch. I mean, it was definitely really, really well done from the NWA. As far as the NWA, is there, you know, kind of plans for some more of those shows like that? Because obviously, like you said, if Step was a huge success, got to follow that up, right? Absolutely. I, I, um, I think in hindsight, I wish that we had, um, that we had probably done that for the, um, the pop-up event in Clarksville that we did because we ended up turning people away at that show and, and it was, and the atmosphere was electric. It was another, you know, similar, like similar size building to, to the fairgrounds. And, uh, we probably should have, 
you know, obviously it was slightly different because it was a pop-up event, you know, that, that tried and true, like they sort of have their own sort of deal where they, they film it, I think with high spots or whatever. But in hindsight, I probably might have pushed more for us to go, Hey, let's, let's bring in like, whether it be the ring of honor crew that we have access to, or, or, you know, the same crew that we used for the pay-per-view and say like, let's, let's put this on fight too. Like, let's do that. You know, like I, I think in hindsight, we could have done that with that one. Um, but the, um, the focus for Billy at that point or, you know, and, and has been sort of through the early part of this year has been on uh, galvanizing this, this sort of working agreement with Ring of Honor so that then we can um, have access to them and, and as far as uh, support. And so, you know, in other words, the same thing that Cody and the Bucks had with, with All In, you know, is so that we can, like the Crockett Cup, I guess, will be our next uh, sort of, show that will that, that's ours you know that that's, that's an nwa branded show that will you know that will be uh, uh april 27th um and that will be on pay-per-view or on a club i don't know the particulars but that way i guess would be the next one um but yes I, I do agree that maintaining momentum is paramount and you know it, it can be difficult because you need to try to find your opening as far as when you're going to get the t- attention. And obviously at the early part of this year, you're, you're getting into Royal Rumble and WrestleMania season. And that's a difficult situation to navigate as far as like, cause you know, we know what takes the oxygen <laughs> and then with, right. uh, with the new company, you know, with AEW starting up and obviously with ring of honor and new Japan having the G one at the garden, it's like, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of stuff on people's minds. So, it's it's just it's finding the right moments to make sure that you know we can keep the momentum but without you know being silly and 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 sort of getting lost in the shuffle as far as AEW and New Japan is obviously you know you kind of like the the traveling NWA champion so to speak are you able to kind of move around and do whatever or is the ROH the agreement now and and it's just kind of kind of be ring of honor uh no no it, it no, there's 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 no exclusivity there, um, as far as you know, as, as far as that goes. I'm I'm still doing um, I'm still doing you know I, I still work with you know lots of third party promoters and, and you know and go and do a lot of that because that was always the intention was to create the you know create the 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 real world championship in that respect you know try to be as authentic as we could to that sort of old school you know, NWA sort of feel of like the, the champion can show up anywhere and any promotion. And honestly, you know, I, um, I've always, I always said, and I, I know I harped on it a lot about it after all in and stuff, but you know, it was to capitalize on momentum, but I said, I, we could take it anywhere. I mean, any, literally anywhere. Like if, if, you know, if, if I can take it to ring of honor, who's to say I couldn't take it to impact or New Japan, or, you know, AAA, or CMLL, or NXT, or any, you know, any, or WWE, like, anywhere, right? Like, it can be done. Like, it, it's, there's, there's, there's no, um, there's no legal reason it can't be done. Like, there can always be agreements made. You know, it's just, we sort of live in this world where we, we have these sort of pretend walls that, that have become so strong in people's minds, because they, everyone in wrestling, I think, got, is, it has a little bit of a Monday Night Wars hangover, 
right, where everyone just assumes that to be a wrestling company striving to be, you know, as big as you can be, you must automatically be at war with WWE. You know what I mean? And that's just, it's just nonsense. Like, I'm not, like, we... I don't see the NWA as at war with anyone. The same way that I don't see that Ring of Honor is at war with AEW or, or you know, TNA is, or Impact is at war with anyone or New Japan is at war with, with all... You know, I just... I don't understand that because it's like the, the guys who ultimately lose out in that situation are the boys because... And the audience because there are all these matchups that get... That, that, that could happen with the things that people want to see that then with, because of sort of legal stuff and money stuff and greed and, you know, maybe a little bit of arrogance sprinkled in that these things can't happen anymore, you know, and for what, just for, for a lot of the time it ends up just being about bragging rights. And I think that, you know, Cody and I proved it and Nick and Matt, I know absolutely agree with me on that, on, on that sentiment as far as like, you know, just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean it cannot be done. Like, and, and a lot of the time it just comes down to everybody just being cool and just, <laughs> and going like, right, what do we need to get out of this? What do you need to get out of this? Let's all figure out that, you know, the best thing for all of our businesses going forward. And that's how all in happened. Like all of that was done. All of that was like, we didn't, we didn't sit there and write out this, you know, super detailed, legal agreement you know we just we just all wanted the same thing we all said okay i need this out of this this, out of this transaction cody you need this ring of honor you need this nwa needs this and we all you know tweaked and moved and things around and you know figured it out and said right this this and how can anyone look at that piece of business and not go yeah everybody came out of that better Absolutely. Definitely everyone came out well. I love the working agreement and, you know, AEW obviously popping up. It's going to be a huge thing. Jericho, Cody, the Bucks, everyone signed up. What were your kind of initial thoughts when you saw this thing formed? Were you thinking, oh, you know, maybe a place where the NWA title can be defended? Or were you thinking just like, wow, this is a you know crazy idea. They're going to start competing against the WWE. <clears throat> well, again, I... <laughs> Like I say, I I don't. It, it doesn't mean it doesn't matter to me whether they're trying to compete with the WWE or not. I don't want to see any. I'd like to see two companies thriving. I'd like to see ten companies thriving and everybody making money. And like I said, I'd like to see a situation where even if your home promotion is one and you're under contract to them and they take first priority, that you couldn't possibly go do something else there if it does if it does good business and it draws money. You know, um, like. It kind of goes back to what I was saying before, but imagine if it's you know imagine if during during the Monday Night Wars if they'd have been able to figure out a way to do Goldberg versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, to split and they co-promote they promoted it together, and they split the you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. yep. How, imagine what that would have done, at the peak if they'd done Goldberg versus Steve Austin in '98, you know like, or not in '98 or '99. Think about that, yeah, and. It's it's things like that where I go, you know, really not that hard, really not that hard to make it happen. Like, 
if, if, if everyone's just thinking about what's best for the overall business and the overall health of everything, because everybody would benefit from it going forward, you know, and that's where greed of, of someone wanting to, you know, feeling entitled to sort of have ownership of the entire industry, you know, is, is just a, is a really unhealthy approach to have. And, and it doesn't really do a lot for, for me as a, as a wrestler. It doesn't certainly doesn't do anything for, our ability to make as much money as we can to do this. And look, there's a, you know, there, there's an economy involved. Like we have to, everyone wants to make as much as they can, but they have to be able to justify it. You know, they have to be, someone has to, someone has to, you know, Tony Khan has to, you know, doesn't, you know, you don't get to that level of wealth without understanding how you got there and understanding, you know, (laughs) profit margins. So he's, you know, like it, it's not a case of everyone just being like, "Give me, give me huge money," you know, and and like I'll do whatever you want. It's it's like everyone's got to prove their market value. But if if everyone can make more because they're, because the, the the overall business is much healthier, then that's the situation we should all be looking to do. You know, as opposed to well, if I prevent all these other people from doing this, that'll mean I'll continue to make this. It's like, well, overall, it's not going to work. In the long run, it's not going to work for you because your talent is what gets people to keep parting with their money to see you. Anything else is, is just a short-term thing where you're just holding on to what, you know, to what, to what you can while you can. And uh, so I, you know, when I saw all that stuff, you know, obviously – without without divulging too much, I was sort of aware of it, you know, as it was happening, like before before all the stuff went public. You know, I was I was aware of what was going on because um you know uh, like I said before, with with Cody and I, you know, we have a, a a really good relationship now. Because when you when you do when you have moments like that with someone and you do that sort of business with someone, you know, you you, you appreciate them and you understand like you you sort of never take that you know you never take that for granted. So there's a trust there because uh, and there's a trust with with me and the Bucks too because we've known each other since we were all jabronis in TNA. You know, hmm. and so hmm. we 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 know we all want each other to succeed and we all want each other to make as much money as we can because we all want to be able to look back at this one day and go like, hey, we got rich from being wrestlers. This is the coolest thing ever. Like, um, you know, I, you know they've got kids. I have a son. It's like you're you you want to you we all we all just want to enjoy what we're doing and and make a nice living and create a nice life for our kids and uh, uh, so I of course think that that's an awesome situation of course I think that's brilliant and I'm you know so excited that someone with that level of wealth is is going for it like yeah go for it man let's do it you know <laughs> and. As far as who works with who, whatever that, like, if it's good for business, I hope everyone works with everyone. I really do. Now, as far as being NWA world champion, I hope nobody takes it the wrong way, but when the NWA kind of did that resurgence thing and, and Tim Storm was, like, basically the first champion in this resurgence with Billy and Dave Lagana, I don't know if I was necessarily buying it. I don't know if a lot of people were necessarily buying it. But when you kind of came along and you were the NWA champion, then I think myself and, and a lot of people I know and a lot of the fans seemed like they were starting to buy – the NWA world title and you kind of, you know, fit what it should be as far as looking, acting, wrestling, NWA champion. 
is that a lot of pressure put on you? Kind of, you know, almost like the whole, not necessarily the, the whole NWA is on your back, but it is a lot of pressure because you're the focal point of the NWA. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good kind of pressure. And, and like I say, I, I took it as a, I took it more as a, as a personal challenge to, because I thought that this, this way, like there's, um, there's really, no one can point to this and say, well, the, you know, does the belt make the guy or does the guy make the belt, you know, and all that kind of thing. And, and, mm-hmm. and, oh, he's getting a push, you know, because if you fall into a, certainly with the, with the rhetoric that, you know, that exists, on the internet a lot. And unfortunately, you know, as, as business has evolved and, and the culture has changed, you know, I feel like we sort of disproportionately pay attention to that, that narrative uh, guys who, you know, I'm not saying it's everyone and I'm not saying that it's like the only thing, but historically guys that look like me <laughs> get put in a certain box and are, and are, you know, certainly scrutinized much more heavily by those types of fans than, uh, than a, a young bucks, you know, um, it's an underdog culture where they just assume that, you know, a guy like me, Oh, I just, I just walked in here and everything was handed to me and I got a push, you know, and, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and so that's kind of always a thing that follows you around. And I saw this as an opportunity to, say, well, no one else wanted to do this. Like I'm, I took, you know, I took this challenge on and now I've built it to a point where, you know, no one, like in other words, by the time we got to, you know, to not to all in, but by the time we got to just the, just the uh, announcement of all in, just the announcement that, you know, Cody wanted to wrestle me. He wanted to, Cody wanted to challenge me because that's what happened. Right. I didn't sit there and pitch Cody. I didn't go, Hey, you know, would you, would you please give me a spot on all in? And could you please consider blah, blah, blah. No, they came to me. Right. So, so to get from, from where it was to that point where, you know, one of the hottest guys in the industry wants to challenge you on the most important show in the modern era, as far as like for the wrestling business goes, not in the wrestling business, but for the wrestling business going forward, the linchpin situation. That was my validation. It was like, no one could take that away from me because they couldn't say, oh, well, he got a push or he did this or it was because of he or it was because of it. And again, I loved him, Storm. He's a, a, a hell of a guy. And he actually was more important to the early days of that situation than, than people give him credit for because it was authentic. He's an authentic man. And the fact that he was humble and embraced the fact that he wasn't exactly a big box office drawer and no one really knew who he was. And he was a school teacher and he is a humble guy, but it meant a lot to him that he was the NWA champion. That was the story. That was the whole point is that we immediately made everybody wake up and that we didn't, we didn't sit there and pretend like this is going to be the biggest wrestling show in the history of the world. And it's going to change everything. And Oh my God, it's going to be amazing. And then, Oh, what's the match going to be? It's going to be, you know, this high flyer versus this high flyer that every other independent promotion has done. Like when they said they're going to change, you know, they're going to 
revolutionized the wrestling business. We we did something where everyone went, wait, what? Like, what is that? And and that was the whole point is that we, it made everybody pay attention. And like, that's how you really revolutionize things is by being. There's, there's a financial term for it. It's called a, it's called the greater fool, where you know you bet one way when everyone else is betting the other way. You know, and sometimes, you know, for everyone else to succeed, you have to fail, right? Like, does that that make sense? Where, like, Mm -hmm. sometimes it takes one person to kind of go, I'm going to go for it. And I was like, what? Like, you're crazy. You know, like, sometimes it won't work, but it it creates a situation where someone else then looks at it and goes, oh, I'll tell you how that could work if you do it like this. And then suddenly everyone's doing it, you know? And and it's like, uh, that's how I sort of looked at what we did at the beginning. Um, and then, as you know, and Tim was a big part of that because it, it showed that thing where we said we don't. It, it's about authenticity. I'm so sick and tired, John, of of so many people in this business are so phony, like especially with social media. You know, like that. It's it's you know I I deal with it all the time, like every day. You know, just phony. Like all they care about is what people see, like or what people think, and it's not. You know what I mean? And, and and, you know, that's such, a, such an unhealthy way to live your life. And I think eventually people see through it and they just go, uh, you know, like they know that they're being sort of, that you're, they're getting like a, they're getting a, a, a guarded sort of glossed over version of the, of, of the truth. And um, I think that, you know, like, real entertainment just comes from making you feel something. And I think that like authenticity, you know, makes you then gives you trust. And then when you trust something, you can feel more emotions attached to it. And that was, and that was sort of the thought process with, with, uh, with Tim and then, you know, leading to me. Uh, Yes, I was the right guy. Like, but I was also the available guy. (laughs) I I just Hmm. took it as, I took it as a personal challenge to show what I could do to, you know, to help build my value and equity in the marketplace. And there was a little bit of a change. You were with Austin Idol, or Austin Idol, rather, was with you, and now it's Camille. Obviously, a big shift there. Was there any sort of direction as to why that change? Or it was one of those things where, you know, it's like, okay, you know, that's not working as well. This works better, and she just works better with you. Well, Austin Idol, um, you know, that was a, that was a situation that, that Billy had wanted to, you know, to try. And, um, you know, we had fun with it, but ultimately we we just we felt like the fit wasn't quite there because of how where i was where, where my character was going as far as like how i was presenting myself and then idol so colorful and you know and vibrant and very kind of uh old-fashioned promo like memphis style it was kind of uh you know it, it was a difficult fit and and truthfully um idol you know was such a good promo but uh, you know the 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 feedback we kept getting was like the, the Nick Aldis doesn't need a mouthpiece, <laughs> mm. you know. <laughs> like, yep. Um, yep. And 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 that and I guess that and and that was true. It was just something we tried out. As far as like Camille goes, like that was just a one-off. That was supposed to just be a one-off thing, and then she did a very good job, and uh, they decided to keep her around. Like it, it, it was it was just meant to be a one-off for the, the rematch with Cody because obviously we told a story all in where, you know, Brandy got involved. So my, 
you know, it was quite an ambiguous situation because there were elements of truth to both sides of it. And um, so, you know, when uh, when we were sort of discussing how to make things to do to make the rematch different and to make it, you know, have, have get a bit of a hook, I said, well, two out of three falls, because obviously that's the nat- you know natural progression. Because if you have one fall, one fall, you can have a you know dispute or a bit of luck or you know the referee or whatever. But you know it's much harder to get it for two. Um, and plus, it's the NWA 70th anniversary, and you know, traditional two out of three falls for the title would would have some historical significance. I said, and I think maybe I need a female. I need a female accompaniment of some description to sort of neutralize Brandy Rhodes. Like, why would I, if I've spent all this time complaining about uh, her involvement and stuff, why would I not? Why would I not prepare for it this time? You know, like. Not, uh, you know, instead of having a bard from ringside, I just, I bring someone to help, you know, protect my interests, but it has to be a female, right? And that was, and that was the conversation that took place. I've never really talked about that before, but that was it. And uh, it was Lagana who, who, when we started spitballing and going, well, maybe she should be physical, you know, maybe she should be sort of physical, you know, because obviously people know about my personal life and stuff. And so we said, you know, you got to be, careful in that respect not because of like weirdness but just because pe- you people wouldn't buy it you know mm-hmm. um yep. and uh and i said well what if we had a, a a big strong girl you know who could be you know kind of like a female bodyguard like a i don't want to you know i don't want to use china as a sort of to say oh a china type but you know that had that same sort of feel like that same sort of uh, intimidating, but, you know, strong, impressive woman type of thing. And, and Lagana, to his credit, was like, I think I might know the perfect person for that. And, um, yeah, they showed me her and, and sort of explained her background a little bit. And we met, I met her, you know, and, and we chatted about it and stuff. And I was just like, yeah, she's great. She's huge. <laughs> and uh, she has a good presence about her. I said, yeah, she's ideal. And she did a great job. And Billy was so enamored with her performance. And, you know, obviously it got a very, you know, there was a lot of interest and it got a very uh, positive response from the audience. There was a lot of interest there. And they said, well, let's, 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 let's keep doing it. Definitely fits and works perfectly. And, you know, Austin, I obviously legend, awesome, probably one of my favorite guys from Memphis, but maybe doesn't necessarily not needed for you. Like you said, you could be your own mouthpiece. She kind of works better. It's a, it's a better uh, trade-off, I think, and um, better for your character, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, as we start to wind it down here, I always kind of look at, you know, the NWA world title and think of, like, title defenses and you know like you called it the Aldous Crusade and all these different title defenses I love how you know you can go to this territory let's say House of Hardcore you beat Brian Cage or Tommy Dreamer or you know you go to Ring of Honor you beat Flip Gordon and PJ Black and then the pop-up show James Storm I mean there's all these big good names out there and you're able to defend your title is that you know the most important thing to you is not only getting that title over but each territory so to speak or each place you go to really you know making yourself and the nwa stand out again almost making it like when dory funk was champion and jack briscoe and harley race and those type of guys sure i mean that's i i I pretty much said you know like i like i have with anything that i've committed to you know in the business if i'm going to do it i'm going to do it let's let's just go all the 
away with it. Let's do it like, you know, what, what are we, what are we really trying to achieve here? Like, there's no point being afraid of a declaration of, of sort of, of laying out a vision for yourself because ultimately all you're going to end up doing is just being mediocre that way. So I said, if I'm going to do this and be the NWA champion and, and like the only way you're going to, uh, the only way we would get people to care about the NWA championship again is if I really believe it, you know, and we, re- and I, and we really like say, yeah, like this, this, it, it is going to be great again. It is going to be as good as, you know, as it was, was, we're going to do it in the modern era and we're going to do it in our own way. Like you can't, you know, there's, there's no point. We weren't hiding from where it was, where it had been, you know, but we also were reminding people that it had once been, you know, the, the, the ultimate prize in the business. It's like, it's just, it's just all in the way it's presented and the way that you present yourself as a champion and the way that you walk into a room and carry yourself. And, and if you believe it and you, and they can see it in your eyes and they can feel it in your words, then they, eventually they got no choice but to get on board with you and go with it. And I said, you know, I'm, I, I set little goals. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be, I, I, I want to make sure that within a year from now, people are going to say, well, he's the best NWA champion of recent memory, you know? And then I was <laughs> like, then I want to get to a point where they're saying he's the best one in the last decade, right? You know, the, the best one in the modern era. Eventually, like, but I could not achieve any of those if I didn't also think, believe in my heart, whether or not anyone agrees with it right now. I don't expect anyone to agree with it right now. But I couldn't even get to the first one of those goals if I didn't, in the, didn't in, the, in the deep down in my heart, believe that I could be the greatest NWA champion of all time. You have to. You cannot. You, the same way that every person who's going to get any decent modicum of success in WWE is probably sitting there going, I could fucking main event WrestleMania. Like, I should, you know, like, I can, I can do it. I could do it. You know what I mean? Like, I think I can. Like, the same, you know, and, and, and the same in anything. You know, Conor McGregor was a good fighter, you know, but there, there was a difference. It's not, it wasn't Anderson Silva. It wasn't like this, it wasn't this, like, phenom of talent. And he was very talented. He was a very good fighter, obviously. But what what made it, what got him there was that people started to get with him, get on board with his wavelength because he just started going like, I see myself as the king. I'm going to be the ultimate guy. I'm going to be the biggest thing you've ever seen. Like, and he did. Now look at him. You know, he's lost fights, but no one cares. He's a he's a one man island. You know, like he's, he's so any any walk of life. I've always believed that I have to like. I'll, you know, and, and believe me, no one's had more screwed up, like crazy situations preventing them from, you know, their, from their ultimate goals in this business than me. Like, and no one, you know, like, like I've had some ridiculous obstacles that no one knows about. And like, I, I just continue, I've been able to continue to have growth you know, and have like, you know, especially this last sort of year and a half, like the best body of work of my career in, in completely unconventional circumstances, because I believe, you know, I don't, it, it doesn't matter who's writing me the check. I believe that I can make millions in this business and be a big star. 
Like, well, you, you have to. You're definitely well on your way as far as where you're at right now. And I just love kind of looking back also at, at your run and impact and just looking, you know, I, like obviously you mentioned before, the Brutus Magnus gladiator gimmick, you didn't really like it. But then as you move along to the British invasion, you know, you're starting to kind of get your, you know, your momentum, if you will, the IWGP tag titles with Doug Williams, you beat Team 3D, you know, you're kind of moving along. Then when you become world champion of Impact and you beat AJ Styles, kind of ended his run in TNA, then you beat Sting, kind of end his run in TNA, kind of saw you right then and there. It's like, wow, he's really starting to become that main event player, that main event guy. And, you know, that's when I was like, man, he's really turning the corner. This is kind of, you know, where he's going to hit that uh, high mark, if you will, keep riding that that wave of momentum. Do you have some favorite matches kind of looking back, and not just more recently as far as some of the NWA title, but even as far as impact? Do you have some favorite matches looking back? There's, 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 I mean, most of them were in 2013. Uh, I think for me there was sort of, again, there were sort of, key moments like pivotal moments like the the first one being uh when when you know joe and i were put together as a tag team we were thrown together they had no plans and mm-hmm. i was a, i was a huge fan of joe's so i pretty much was like hey can we just take your existing offense and just kind of slot me in in a couple of ways to make it like some real slick cool double teams it was really really I mean, very, very simple, but it just, it just worked. And people just, I think we looked different and we were presented so differently and people were so kind of like, what the hell is this? And then when it worked so well, it, that was sort of the novelty of it was they went, wow, like we really like, it's, they're kind of a weird contrast, but it just works. And then like Taz was like, Taz called us the Porsche and the tank. And, like, I feel like after he did that, like, that sort of became, like, our sort of mentality of, like, how to present ourselves. And I just and I just learned so much from Joe through osmosis, and I just developed, like, my confidence just went up and up and up, like, leaps and bounds every week. And then we got to, we got to London TVs in Wembley, and I, and I cut that promo that was sort of, that people in, people, fans over there still bring up to me to this day where I, I stood in the ring and said, you know, we're, we're not in the UK, you know, this is, I've got nothing against the Scots, nothing against the Welsh, nothing against the Irish, but we're not in the UK. This is England. And, you know, the place exploded and we had, and it was this great moment. And I remember coming back and Hulk kind of looked at me like, uh, you know, like you, uh, like that was, you know, like just enough, you know, just enough of an acknowledgement to be like, Hey, you've, you know, you got a huge reaction. Like, you know, he, that's, 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 that's his currency. That's the currency that guys like Hulk trade in. And, um, so like that was one. And then later on when, after Joe and I finished the tag team, you know, we, we went into a singles, uh, rivalry, you know, for me to sort of break out again as a, as a heel performer, you know, as a singles. And, uh, we wrestled at bound for glory in, uh, Phoenix, and like that was my first that was the first like match where I really felt like okay that was that was good you know like that was a like this it was a good match it was uh, you know one of the better matches on the card like on on a pay-per-view so it's kind of like you need that moment where you go okay that was good like I I was given a spot and I nailed it you know where like it was one of the better matches on the pay-per-view people cared about it got a great reaction match was good you know did everything it was supposed to do um that was the first one. The next one would have been um, 
there was a four-way, I forget where it was. I feel like it might have been in Chicago. There was a four-way match, number one contender match. And it was Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle, Samoa Joe, and myself. So, like, <laughs> spot the odd one out in that situation, right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> at, the, at that time uh, in TNA, you know, early 2013. And I, and I'm, you know, and I, I was, wasn't really a heel or a baby face then I was just sort of because I would come off the back of I'd just come back uh and I was just sort of coming off of, so I was really a baby face supposed to be a baby face but everyone in that match was a baby face so I'm sitting there going oh my god I'm gonna be toast in this you know like because you've got Jeff Hardy who was always the top baby face in TNA I don't care what anyone says um then, you know, Kurt, obviously, who's at this point is a legend and like, and, is, and you know, just, just a different level of reaction. And Joe, who was all, Joe, who's been consistently over, you know, his whole career, especially with TNA, like, and, and especially in Chicago. And I was looking at this going, oh, God, I'm going to be like, this is big. I'm going to get booed in this. Like, I'm never going to get like no reaction and I'm going to be the odd one out. And everyone's going to say he doesn't fit. He's not ready, you know, and all the rest of it. And then the opposite happened. And I, you know, we had a, this a real good match and, and the guys in that were gracious enough to like, let me really, really showcase myself in that. And there was a moment in that where I, I forget, I don't know, I can remember what I did, but I hit, I hit something on Jeff Hardy. Um, like, I think it was the, the catching sort of suplex I do where I kind of deadlift, you know, sort of dead suplex the guy from a sort of cross body position. Um, and, Jeff is so good, you know, he sold it so well and just, you know, and it was just such, and, it, and the spot came off really well and everything and it got this, and it sort of surprised everyone and I took a little moment just to sort of, you know, let it, again, talking about before, like letting, giving it a moment to sink in and, and breathe and stuff and I could just feel this thing, it wasn't a pop, it was like this thing from the audience of like, oh shit, like, we're we're seeing a guy sort of uh, joining the you know kind of stepping up here sort of thing like you know you could feel the audience feeling that you could see you could you could get you know, that whole year I could feel every time people were sort of going oh okay we're seeing a guy kind of up his game right before our eyes um, and then for me but the ultimate was the match with AJ at uh, St Louis the Bound for Glory series final like because again the situation was. I was supposed to be a baby face and I'm going like, how am I going to pull off a, 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 you know, a baby face match with AJ Styles, who's so good, the best in-ring performer of our generation, arguably the best in-ring performer of all time. So beloved, like, you know, so popular, like everyone's going to cheer for AJ and boo me. Like, um, you know, uh, and again, we went out and it was probably 60, 40 AJ. Like there was enough people in the audience. It wasn't 50, 50, but there was enough people in the audience who were cheering for me and had signs for me and were like, and were, and were just kind of supporting me in that spot that, and we, and, and, you know, we had a really good, really good match, really solid storytelling and psychology. And like, it really felt like both of us were, you know, it, it Really, you know, you really felt like the stakes there of like one because the winner obviously was going to get a, sh a world title shot at Bound for Glory and everything. And uh, uh, and then when I lost to AJ in that, it was that it was the it was the important loss that you have to have in your career. You have that one night where you lose and people go, "You're you know, 
you're one of us now kind of thing. And, uh, uh, you know, it was the most important moment of my television run for sure, because, uh, after he pinned me and this was, again, this was a Jeff Jarrett note. This is another thing that, you know, we understand how, how smart Jeff is. Jeff was the one he took me right from, you know, all the way through that. And he goes, you know, when the, when the match is over, he says to me, you come sit right here and you don't move and you look up and you let that camera show your face of your disappointment and your emotion is that I promise you that you will never, you'd like you, you'll never look back after that. Like they won't keep, in other words, they won't keep going hot and cold with you. They won't, they won't give you a little bit and then put you back in, you know, on explosion in a few weeks and then go again and whatever. He said, you'll, you'll be there. You'll be off to the races. And when I watched it back on TV, you know, because we were live, we were live on Spike at that point. So I came home the next day and watched it. And uh, Taz and Taz and Mike Tanay did such a brilliant, brilliant. The, the call for that match was so good. If you if you have a chance to go back and watch it, like just listen to the commentary. Like it was one of those nights where everybody was on top of their game. Brian Hebner was was brilliant, you know, as the referee. Like he's he's feeling it. The audience is awesome. Like the, the atmosphere is electric. AJ, obviously is AJ. He's the, he's the greatest. I held up my end. Like I nailed my, like the facials were there. Everything was there. The story was there. And then at the end, like Taz just does such a great job of calling it. Like where he says, you know, there's no shame in tapping out or no shame in, you know, in getting beat in a match like that. You know, like he, he's got nothing to be ashamed of. Like he busted his ass, you know, like he really, he really sells you the audience and all the while the camera's on my face and like, I've got tears in my eyes and it's like, it was real, you know, like you, there's, there's nothing about that, that an audience can go look at this bullshit. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's when you mm-hmm. can create a moment in wrestling and that's what we had with Cody and I too. I like to create moments where even the most skeptical, cynical, you know, like your 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 friend's buddy who who doesn't really like wrestling, but you're all watching it, so he's watching it. it. Where if you can even get a moment where you get that guy to go, all right, that was pretty cool. You know, that's what I'm striving for. Like those moments, and that was it for me. This is the Bound for Glory series final with with AJ in St. Louis in uh, 2013. And that was definitely around the time you really started to blossom and kind of come into your own as as a main eventer. That is for sure. Now, as far as kind of looking into the future, looking into that crystal ball, where do you see yourself and maybe even the NWA world title and maybe even the NWA on your back? Where do you see yourself in, let's say, five years or so? Five years is hard to say. That's really because, you know, especially for me because, you know, I'm 32. So, like, I'm sort of, you know, really just really sort of entering into my prime, you know, money-making years now. And it's like, hopefully, you know, I see myself as a major, a major commodity, major player. Like we'll get to a point where we'll have, you know, there'll, there'll be more, there'll be more all-ins. There'll be more Madison Square Gardens. There'll be more huge, huge moments in our business and I'll be part of them because I know how to do them. I know how to create them. Um, I'd like to see, you know, in five years, one way or another, I, 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 it's hard for me to speak for the NWA because, you know, I don't, 
I can only I can only advise. You know, I mean, I don't have any stake in that company. I don't have any sort of say. It's, it's you know, it's Billy's company, and Dave Garner is the vice president, and I, you know, <laughs> obviously am you know heavily involved. But I but I, all I can do is give my advice. You know, and uh, so it's, I, I don't want to say too much for them, but you know, I from based on what I know and what I've seen, how I've seen things unfolding in the last year, and 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 what I know is on the horizon for not just the NWA, but for you know, for lots of different uh, entities and people. I'd like to think that in five years from now, I will be in a very different position financially. Like, in the, you know, and, and certainly not to say that I'm, you know, hurting now, but, I, you know, we're in a, in a really, really healthy, significant financial position. And that the, the num- that there'll be some, the number of really big uh, shows that aren't WWE shows will have increased. There'll be, there'll be more, there'll be more like major major arena sort of special pay-per-view nights you know they'll 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 be more like i think we're going to move move away from uh quantity and more towards quality as far as like instead of doing a tons of tons of little shows there's going to be like there's going to be this movement towards like big destination viewing major events in arenas would be awesome and definitely as a you know as a big wrestling fan that is something i definitely look forward to now as far as some shows you got coming up some social media please give us all the plugs i know uh, obviously uh, you're on twitter and and everywhere else yeah well um i will you know the chances are as a, for the foreseeable future at least as of now you know you you will see me uh in some capacity at any and all Ring of Honor events, um, for the most part. Um, so those are now. Um, what? Uh, in, uh, let me. I'll pull up my calendar so I can tell you some of the stuff I've got coming up uh, in the. You know, as, as far as third parties are concerned. Um, where are we? At? I'll be in Toronto this uh, this coming Thursday. Uh, there's a show in Toronto I'm doing. I wish I could tell you the name of the promotion, but I can't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's uh, but the the guys who are running it are the Iron Sheik's nephews. It was, it was kind of cool. Um, the guys who did his documentary and stuff. They reached mm-hmm. out. Um, that you know they, they, they've been they've been fun to deal with. So I'm looking forward to that. It's nice to go to Toronto. <clears throat> um, yeah, Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor coming up in uh, Lakeland, Florida, and Miami, Florida, uh, February 9th and tenth. Um, I've got a few. We've got we've got some. Um, there'll be some stuff coming up in North Carolina. So I was just in uh, North Carolina last night, making a special appearance at uh, AML to to sort of keep promoting the Crockett Cup. There'll probably be some more of those. So if you're in the the Carolinas, Mid Atlantic sort of area, like don't be surprised if I show up. Uh, as a surprise, at, you know, a, a, a show here or there to um, to promote the Crockett Cup and you know come and say hi. Um, I'm coming. Up, I've got uh, Ironton, Ohio. That'll be fun because I'm wrestling. Um, oh gosh, is that the show that I'm wrestling? I mean, I want to just double check that I got that right. Um, uh, Ironton, Ohio, coming up on February. Uh, 23rd but 
there's uh, oh, never mind. I've lost my train of thought. Sorry, but uh, yeah, that's coming up there. Um, yeah, and then um, I'll be out in March. Uh, I've got a, a pretty full schedule. I'll be uh, I'll, yeah, I'll be somewhere every weekend all through March and Ring of Honor in Vegas. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going to be doing some more commentary for Ring of Honor. So I've been getting a lot of positive feedback from my color commentary, and I, I jumped on again for. Um, uh, Jay Lethal versus Dalton Castle um, in uh, Concord last week for Honor Reign Supreme, and um, uh, yeah, I just got I just got confirmed today that I'll be doing some more commentary with Ring of Honor as well as uh, some more appearances, you know, from the wrestling side of things. So I'm excited about that because I love love doing commentary, you know, commentary, and it's, it's been I appreciate everyone who's been um, following me for that. And uh, yeah, and then as far as my socials go, uh, on uh, Twitter and Facebook, I'm at real Nick Aldis. Uh, I'm verified on Twitter, um, not verified on Instagram. I don't know how that works. It's all politics, brother. Uh, but on Instagram, <laughs> and then on Instagram, ironically, the one I'm not verified on, that's the one where I've got at Nick Aldis. This, that one was available for that. Um, I had to be real Nick Aldis for Twitter because someone else had already got it, of course. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, those are my socials. I'm probably most active on Twitter and Instagram, so you know that's where you can catch me. And uh, yeah, yeah I've, I've, I have a fitness book out. I still promote that. It's um, the Superstar Body. You can find out all about that. And I, uh, you know, I have some. You know, I can, I, I'll sign books and, and send them out. Um, if you go to my website, nickoldis.com, there's, there's merchandise and different things there that you can, if you want to get a signed book or signed eight by tens or uh, even uh, customized training plans. Like I, I do, I'll, I'll do that every now and then for people when I have time. So those things are all available on my website, nickoldis.com. All right, awesome stuff. They really appreciate all the time you gave us tonight. Now, just one final thing for me. I think you are the prototypical pro wrestler, meaning that what wrestler should look like, act like, wrestle like. I feel like you are the complete package. So thank you so much, and hopefully we'll hear from you a lot more as no, far as will. on our show in the future. <laughs> I appreciate it, John. Thank you, and uh, you know I appreciate those words, and um, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.